Welcome to the Craft Beer Marketing Awards Marketing on Tap podcast. This is episode nine, and we are sponsored by the EGC Group. We are the CBMA's co-founders and your podcast co-hosts, Jim McCune and Jackie DeBella. Hey. We wanted to first thank everybody that has supported the CBMAs and entered into our second annual competition. The entry window officially closed this week, and now 300 industry professionals from all around the globe, our CBMA's 2021 judges panel, are receiving their login credentials, and they can begin to visually critique and rank each entry. Only the best will rise to the top and snag a prestigious Crushy Award. Check out craftbeermarketingawards.com and please support our judges and our sponsors. And speaking of sponsors, Jackie. Yeah, we're super excited today to welcome to the Craft Beer Marketing Awards podcast. Um, our presenting sponsors are here today. Uh, two years of incredible support, guidance, and just generally some good times. Um, we've got Hillebrand here. Please welcome Hillebrand. And for everyone listening, you could pull up hillebrandbeer.com. And with us, Barb Worth. She is Hillebrand's marketing and communications manager. And we also have Prab Hans. And he's the VP domestic services of Hillebrand North America. Hi, everybody. How are you? Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming on, guys. We're super excited. Well, thanks for inviting us. Yeah, we're super <laughs> pumped to be here. Uh, we'd love for you guys to explain a little bit about how you partner with breweries and other beverage producers um, to help them grow and reach new levels of success. Barb, that sounds like a great one for you. <laughs> Um, you know, we are so fortunate to be working in the beer industry because that's where some of the greatest people, you know, that's where they are. And uh, our company uh, has been working in the beer industry for quite some time, uh, both in the United States and globally. Uh, we provide supply chain solutions and, and with the brewers, specifically keg solutions, keg management, keg tracking, um, uh, keg leasing, just provide them with a lot of um, consulting opportunities too. But we do much more than that. And I'm going to kind of segue over to Prob and let him fill in the blanks. Sounds good. Yeah. So one of the cool things about what Hillbrand's been able to do for a long time is like help craft breweries with um, things around like logistics, you know, moving their stuff around the country, uh, helping them manage their keg floats, uh, whether it's through technology or again, collecting them from wholesalers to make it easy for them to get their products to market. We also do a, a whole host of other things around like warehousing, uh, repacking, kitting projects, storage initiatives, and this crazy time of, of, of can shortages. We've helped bring cans in from like five different continents to support kind of the ongoing shift from draft to packaging, uh, package product, which has been pretty cool. And then, um, you know, when things go sideways and you know, you've got a, a recall or a product mix issue or branding issue, um, we can actually go out there and retrieve some of that product from market and dispose of it in an environmentally friendly way that also helps protect your brand, which is uh, pretty neat. But um, at the end of the day, we're really just want to be that that first number you call or that email you send when you go, something's happened and we need some help. We do what we can to either leverage our network or our, our, our internal teams to to help those customers of ours that, that are in need. That, that's awesome. That's a lot. 
Um, I know that you guys are known as the beverage pros. Do you want to take a few minutes just to go through some of those unique solutions and services that you guys have? That sounds great, Jim. Yeah, thanks. Um, there's a there's a handful of core things that we do in the craft space. Um, one of them is, is something called Kegspediter, and that's the reverse logistics system for managing your own cooperage, right? Um, that's your own kegs with your own branding that end up inside of wholesalers and then eventually at your accounts. We help collect those things back so they don't get lost, so they come back quickly, and so that you don't have to spend as much on those stainless steel assets that help get your product out to trade. Um, in addition to that, we have a cool technology called Keg ID. That technology allows you to basically barcode and track all of your kegs in your float, assign different characteristics to them as it relates to what product is in them, and make sure that the freshest beer is being poured at the accounts that you've worked so hard to win taps at. Um, there's some really neat intel that comes on the back of that where you start to see the behavior of your float uh, and then get really to make better decisions around like who you're doing business with, how you're doing business with them, and at the end of the day that you're not losing stuff. Following on a little bit more from that side of things, our EcoBev service that we talked about just a minute ago, it's pretty neat and it came into a lot of use during 2020 during the COVID kind of pandemic at its highest where we helped pull you know at-risk product back from market. We destroyed of it in a responsible and reliable manner that provided the best environmental impact, but also the best control so that craft breweries around the country could make sure to capture and recover any excise tax or any documentation necessary to kind of support their operations and make the right write-offs that were necessary at the end of the year. Um, taking it a bit further, like what Jim mentioned, like that's a lot that we do. We put all of this together in something we call our SCM or our supply chain management services. And that includes things like our warehousing services, our logistics services, our repack, our rekitting, our relabeling initiatives. So if uh, you guys make something that's you know ready for market in one direction, but something happened because the glue you bought you know was faulty and you needed someone to kind of do a bunch of rework for you, we can do that. We also do a lot of storage activity for folks that uh, are producing seasonals that don't necessarily need to take up space in the brewery, but they need to be kept off site. Um, and we do that through our network of 16 warehouses kind of here in North America and also in Europe. Um, and then finally, on the back of the SEM stuff, we do a lot of international logistics. So for customers that are looking to import brands that they've done partner work, partnership work with or export their product, we help enable that too to over 90 countries around the world uh, through our network of over 60 offices uh, around the uh, around the globe as well. That's really amazing. I mean, you could tell that these um, solutions have been um, produced for brewers and beyond to make their days um, easier and to grow their business. Um, Hill Hillebrand has been in the craft brewing industry since it, it since day one, 1984. Yeah, 1984. That's yeah. that's a, a long time and. Uh, obviously got to see this incredible flourish in the industry as we went from, I think, 400 uh, craft breweries to I think Brewers Association saying 8,000 now, which is quite an accomplishment. Um, you know, the dreaded question, 2020, we got hit with a pandemic, you know, to the likes that uh, the world had never seen. Um, it seemed the first to get hit were bars and restaurants and, you know, places where people gathered as quarantine was enforced around the world um, that obviously affected draft sales and 
where do you think draft beer is now? And do you see the rebound? Where are we? Yeah, I think that's, it's a really good question. Um, one of the things we've heard from a lot of our contacts is that beer is a great barometer for like the health of the economy, right? And draft almost more so than just beer in general, because where we see draft sales go, we know that people are out and about spending money, making memories with people that they care about and enjoying things that, in the, that are in the entertainment uh, venue and channel, right? Whether it's bowling or going to a massive concert, when all those things start to come back online, we'll really know that we've quote unquote made it back. Um, last year was super tough. Uh, you know, when, when the shutdown officially happened, you know, we saw a dramatic drop in what we would consider kind of the draft space. And this is specifically around keg recoveries. And when that hit, you know, we saw basically two months of volume that we ran, you know, um, where we saw insights that, you know, draft was down almost like 90%, which is, you know, massive when you think about what's going on across the country and all of those, you know, a venue spaces, all of those restaurants, all those bars, all those clubs, all those kind of sports stadiums. I mean, that's huge. Um, Festivals. Exactly. Where we are now, we've started to see a bit of a recovery. We had a nice little run towards the end of 2020 where things started to feel like they were getting back to normal. We've seen a little bit of a delay there again coming into the new year. And I'd say from what we've looked at 2019 to 2021, we're probably at about a 55 to 60% kind of, of norm. Um, and we're hearing good things, right? The progress around the vaccine rollouts, the relaxation around some of the rules at uh, at hotels and restaurants and everything else, you know, we feel pretty confident that we're going to have a really strong second half in 21 uh, as an industry. And then also that, you know, these next couple of months will be a little bumpy, but, you know, people are ready to go out and be responsible again. People are ready to go out there and do the things that they enjoyed previously. And we're really hoping for a good hot summer that's dry enough for people to be outside um, mm -hmm. get back on the tap and, uh, you know, enjoying a, enjoying a few bevies. I think it's encouraging too, that, you know, we've been doing a lot of online functions with our organizations and, and within our companies and, and to see that the, um, Brewers Association is going to have a face-to-face -face craft brewer conference in September is really exciting. Uh, we're looking forward to, to seeing our friends again, even if we can't, you know, be closer than six feet, but it's just being back together again. And the MBWA, just uh, the National Beer Wholesalers Association, just announced that they're going to have a face-to-face -face in the fall. So this is very encouraging and, and exciting and something to look forward to. For sure. A hundred percent. You know, you guys as a global company have seen it at different scales across the world. Um, so your insights are definitely important for the people listening. Um, can you share some insights to the logistics trends that you've seen in the industry over the last year? And as we're thinking about, you know, things getting better and, and getting out there and drinking all together again, um, you know, what should the industry be getting ready for when it comes to logistics um, and, and getting everything in order? So great question regarding logistics trends. Um, when the crisis hit, you know, it's crazy to think about the massive impact a country can have on the rest of the world. So like China turned off and basically all global shipping had to change. And with that in the U.S., that drove a substantial kind of impact to the availability of truck drivers, 
the demand for those truck drivers, the price that truck drivers could kind of solicit in the market to get capacity to move product around. It created a lot of congestion in certain areas. And we're at a point now where things are starting to kind of resettle, but they are not anywhere close to being back where they were, uh, kind of what I'll call in the middle of 2019, uh, kind of Q3, Q4. Um, so when you're getting ready for where you're going to go next, big thing is if you're already kind of a local producer and, a, and you're distributing locally, you know, forge relationships with your providers, make sure they understand the impact that they have on your business. Um, if you're working more regionally and nationally, you know, work with reliable carriers that um, aren't there to take advantage of the spot market, right? That they're, they're committed to you as a business, not just, you know, interested in your freight. And where you do use third parties, groups like us, groups like uh, some of these large uh, freight providers, um, make sure that you're raising your flag and saying, you know, we're making a long-term commitment to you. We are looking at ways to kind of partner and stabilize our, our supply chain uh, ongoing. Um, and you guys, you know, you guys have to ask those questions to make sure that we're providing back that service. As context, you know, when everything went a little pear-shaped, we did our best to actually not impose substantial changes, if any at all. In fact, if I think back to 2020, none um, around the disruption, we actually tried to create new services that would actually help support the market and, you know, took on storage of kegs, took on different methods of returning kegs, look on um, different ways of pricing services so that the impact wasn't as substantial to our customers. And I think you need to look for those types of things in your partners when, um, when you're back out there shopping for freight, shopping for logistics, shopping for warehousing and the like. Right. And I think to, just to add to that, um, you hit on something really important, Prob, is that it's about relationships with your vendors and that they're, they're not just a vendor. It's not just a phone call that, you know, you're, you're shopping around for the cheapest service. It's that you have a relationship with a partner who is invested in your success. And so, you know, I just wanted to, to drive that point that when you have capacity issues and when you have, uh, you know, uh, driver shortages or container shortages, that's when your partnership is really most valuable. I mean, first of all, kudos to Hillebrand, you know, for not only surviving themselves, um, but also helping so many of their clients navigate through uh, never before seen times. And one of the things that had stuck out during the pandemic, you know, you mentioned China being put on pause, Prob, was that they saw blue skies for the first time in X amount of years. And I think one interesting thing that's come from just this worldwide slowdown of human activity is, you know, the earth healing and people getting outside more and reconnecting. And I do like that whole angle. I mean, we know that Hillebrand was committed to sustainability before it was cool and chic, and you guys have received multiple awards um, for your beverage and logistics solutions um, from EPA and green initiatives built into your Kegspedire, EcoBev, and LogiTrack solutions. Can you explain a little bit more to the brewers who are listening um, about getting their kegs back? and about beer, you know, being served fresh when the world reopens? Great question. Now is the time to really focus on your keg, on your keg float to make sure that the freshest beer possible is getting out to market. 
Um, I think, you know, our services are pretty well stacked on saying like, how do you do things the most efficient way possible? So you're not spending extra money on stuff and that you're making sure that you're getting the newest product to market as quickly as possible. And then you're getting those kegs back as fast as you can, uh, through Kegspediter. Um, now's the time, you know, like things are about to pop. There's a lot of breweries that we've been talking to. They're saying, we're starting to get orders. We're starting to get orders. We need some kegs back. Can you help us out? And we'll collect from the market. We'll get them back in. But um, we think breweries should make it a point to, you know, do deep cleans where they can, make sure they've got good tracking technology in place where they do, and then work with their wholesale partners, you know, to have product that they're ready because it's going to come and it's going to come quick. Um, I think a lot of people, when when the doors are open, it's going to be like a sale at Christmas. You know, they're going to come <laughs> flooding in and it's going to be very exciting. And the next thing you know, you're going to have stock out issues or tap turn issues. And um, those breweries that can have product staged and ready, I think are the ones that are going to be the most likely to gain uh, from the recovery of draft while protecting all the great stuff that they've done to ship product mixed to packaged um, to really win on two fronts. You know, this could actually be making the best out of a crisis, uh, as our as our leadership team says. Um, you know, you've increased package, you're about to recover with draft, which means net net, you should hopefully be doing more business overall. And that's just a win for your teams that have really had a, a tough, you know, 15 months uh, behind them already. So that, that's kind of my two cents. And then also work with your accounts to make sure your, your lines are clean. Nothing mm -hmm. worse than dirty lines, you know, ruining, um, <laughs> ruining a beer that's coming out on tap. So um, anything else, Barb, you think? So we built a, a function into our solution, our, our tracking solution, that enables the brewer to embed a map onto their website so that their consumers can go and see where a certain particular beer is located. I'll just say what an incredible solution. Um, seems like something that brewers would really need, not only just to control their keg fleet, but to get all of this incredible intelligence that they've never had before and make better informed business decisions using that. And I bet there's a slew of other benefits like quality control and um, check out hillebrandbeer.com and go to the solutions tab and you'll see everything that Prob and Barb are talking about here today. Yeah. I think I want to shift a little bit, or as we like to say in the last year, we'll pivot. Um, talking about going back to normal, but what about this new normal, the direct to consumer um, sales that have obviously picked up big time and become super popular over the last year, um, whether it's direct delivery to consumer or e-commerce. Um, how do you guys see this impacting the industry as we sort of, I guess, go back, but also continuing this cool thing? Um, you know, and do you think it's a good option to keep legal across the world um, so that consumers can get their hands on stuff directly. When we told people that they couldn't go to their favorite hangout or their favorite bar to enjoy their favorite beverage, they pushed for this, this solution to have direct to consumer or e-commerce um, take hold. And um, we actually, we always offered a, a service called last mile uh, delivery, which has provided that service um, it's been primarily for wine, but, but now we are starting to see more demand to, to do, um, direct to consumer beer deliveries. And we don't want this to replace or to threaten a relationship with a distributor. We want this to actually be something that, that the brewer can incorporate into their, 
um, into their delivery mechanisms, into their delivery, in, into their distribution processes, so that you work together and and help each other out. So it's it shouldn't be a threat to a distributor relationship. Yeah, I I, I echo what Barb just said in that I think it's always important to align yourself to what your customer wants, right? So in these environments where like direct to consumer has been, you know, enabled and activated, I think it's really important that those things are protected. The same things being spoken about like to go orders and really kind of um, uh, not letting that kind of be retrenched. Um, I think now is an opportunity to really understand kind of what are the systems that need to come online where the other members in that, in that supply chain, you know, for the distribution of beer and even spirits and wine that they figure out how to best um, how to best kind of do that. Uh, I actually just had a buddy of mine launch a, a, a an Irish whiskey line, which was pretty neat. Um, I ordered it online from Ireland via a, a U.S. distributor, and the packaging it came in was phenomenal. And it let me get access to something that's not available in retail just yet um, for me to help support him in his endeavors. But then also, you know, to really kind of test how the supply chain works for DTC and it was pretty darn easy. And he said it was a direct result of all the work that's come kind of as a result of COVID. So I don't want us to lose sight of all the great work done there. And I think we should definitely build on it as an industry. I mean, right. And, you know, consumer behavior has changed. Amazon shows that a lot of uh, home delivery for, you know, even groceries. No, I totally agree with that, Barb. And I think that's something that we all are going to have to relook at and, see these behavioral changes in the consumers, I think especially millennials and how that applies to, you know, purchasing craft beer and craft beverage and in general. Um, so just as a recap, uh, you guys have spoke about solutions that you're helping brewers navigate um, supply chain challenges, reduce risk, uh, support sales. We've heard about EcoBev, which is uh, product recovery and disposal. We've heard about Keg ID, which is your product and asset tracking. We've heard about Keg Fleet, which is the Keg leasing and sales part. And we've also heard about Keg Spediter, which is your Keg returns, refurbishing, and rebranding. I do see on your ads, you ask brewers how you can help them go international. Do you want to explain a little bit more about that option? Our... our uh... Our company has been driving international freight forwarding and, and import-export. Well, Hillebrand's been around for 175 years. Uh, actually, it's 176 years. Um, and there's a, there's a demand for American craft beer in other uh, countries and in other markets. And we have the network. We've got the, we've got the supply chain network that can enable a craft brewer in you know, Montana to get his beer to Europe. And, and, and so um, we, don't have to, we don't have to hurry up and build that network. It's in place and we've got, you know, we've got seasoned professionals ready to execute. But we, we also built our supply chain network um, where we have strategic locations and we've got We've got a couple of very strategic locations right there on the U.S.-Mexican border, and we've, we've also got some great uh, locations on the uh, Canadian border. So it's a, it, it, 
it's something that we can actually help the brewer either refine or start. You hit the nail on the head there, Barb, and <clears throat> that's exactly right. I mean, to, to put it in, in really direct terms, like Halo Brand's been around a long time and it's all been about moving, you know, good wine and, and, and booze basically, you know, for almost 200 years around borders and around countries. You know, we think about our, our roots at Hillebrand in the USA, specifically in our craft space and SLG kicking off in 1984. You know, some of our first customers were import brands that said, man, I got all these kegs in the USA. How do I get them back? And our, our founder at the time, Kevin Brady, who's still around, um, you know, he figured it out. And we've been able to kind of grow that concept, you know, for domestic services. But we still have that at our heart. We actually do a lot of work today with imports, you know, brands coming in from Europe and exports, you know, great brands heading from the, the shores of the U.S. into Europe, into Asia, and other parts around the world. And that's, you know, not just keg stuff that's heading that way. It's also their, their finished goods and products that need a little bit more care. You know, we talk about the cold chain and export, and how do you ensure that? Hillebrand's got you covered. You know, we move, you know, basically north of 35% of the world's cased wine and almost 50% of the world's bulk wine. So when it comes to moving, you know, good product, stuff that is delicate and needs attention, you know, our organization's got you covered to get you to those places that people want your stuff. And like everything, you know, America leads the way. We we kicked off the craft beer boom. We've seen that be replicated in Europe, specifically in the UK and Ireland. Now, now in kind of re, uh, renewing this concept of specialty brewing in Belgium and the Netherlands. We saw it happen in Australia and New Zealand. We're seeing it happen in Southeast Asia. And all of these people want to drink some American product. So, you know, give us a call. Let us see how we can help you do that. We'd love to see more uh, more U.S. brands abroad and vice versa for those folks listening from uh, our newly included regions of the world. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's a huge opportunity. And, um, you know, your brewers are so thankful for everything that you do to support them and help them through that process. And, you know, American beer is getting all over the world and, you know, vice versa. We can you guys can help out. Um, on it might be a stupid question, but is, is beer the only thing that you guys ship in kegs? That we ship in kegs. So uh, we move uh, a series of different products for our customers. And our customers make stuff like uh, beer that they'll, that they'll put in kegs, draft product. We've had some customers, you know, uh, test the waters of kombucha. Uh, we've talked to a few folks that are in the coffee space. And uh, we're starting to get some inquiries around ready-to-drink stuff and the seltzer boom that's happening. I don't know that everyone's really figured out seltzer just yet in draft, but I know there's a lot of money going into making sure that that's something that they can do soon. Um, but yeah, any, anything really, anything you can put in a keg, we can move for you. We've also pioneered with, um, a couple of folks that, that were the first ones that, that, uh, started putting wine in kegs and it makes a lot of sense to put wine in kegs, even though it's kind of contrary to what you would. Oh, wow. Wine, wine in kegs is building on what Barb was just saying. It's. It's a great thing for the environment. It's a great thing for good product. And it's an amazing thing for venues because you get, like you do with draft, really good value for money in terms of packaging choice and secured quality, right? You don't have to worry about excessive exposure to light because it's contained in a keg. You've got consistency and reliability around temperature, which is huge. And then more importantly, you've got control over pour, right? Because you're driving it through a draft system that's got controlled inert gas, which doesn't allow oxidation to happen, which means you've got really stable product that can kind of be wrapped off in a keg and maintained, you know, for almost half a year or beyond without any degradation happening in quality. 
And there's a really cool outfit that's a customer of ours that's got bi-coastal operations that's like leading the charge here. Um, we've actually even heard of a really cool organization down in Australia. I won't mention any names just to you know not make that happen, but they are the pioneers in it. And um, they've really done well in establishing that as a, as a method of getting great wine to great wine to trade. So interesting. I always wondered about that. Thanks for all that insight. Yeah, that is really interesting. Um, you know, we, we like to end on a high note. So I'd love to hear from both of you. Um, why should the industry be optimistic about this year and, and all that's to come with hopefully, fingers crossed, um, you know, everything opening back up? You know, Prab and I were talking about this yesterday and springtime always, you know, creates an excitement, right? It's, it's the whole world is coming back alive after a, a, a long, dark winter. Um, and so we've got, um, we're excited. We've got stimulus money out there. So consumers are going to want to, you know, spend it at their favorite, uh, at their favorite location. We just celebrated St. Patrick's Day, and that always, uh, to me, that's kind of the kickoff to all the, you know, the fun things that are going to happen. And springtime just just makes you feel more invigorated, and and you're, you know, we're all ready to get out and start experiencing living again. Um, there's uh, stimulus money that's in the pockets of the consumers that just went out. We've got Major League Baseball starting in a in a week or so, or next week. Um, which we're very excited about the fact that a lot of these stadiums are now carrying a very uh, significant line of craft beer options. Um, we just, the summer mentality, it's just kicking in. And of course, now that more and more people are getting vaccinated, there's a sense of security that, you know, you can go out and not have to worry about, um, putting yourself at risk or your friends and family at risk. I think, I think people are just ready and I think all of the stars are aligning so that we can, that we can reclaim our lives. Yeah. We totally share your optimism and, you know, the breweries that we've been speaking to recently, they're starting to see the orders again for draft and they're excited about that. I know here in New York, we're moving back to 80% occupancy, um, Close times opening later. So uh, I think we'll have more and more drinking, eating going on again. And that should really help all of our recovery efforts. And I mean, from the bottom of our hearts here at the CBMAs, we want to um, express eternal gratitude to Hillebrand for their supporting role as presenting sponsor two years in a row now. Um, big thanks to all of the beverage pros. Thank you to Prob and Barb today for all the incredible insight that we received. And please check out hillebrandbeer.com and follow up on these incredible services and solutions that you heard about today. I, I want to say something real quick to you, Jackie and Jim, about the CBMA Awards. It's been a real honor for um, Hillebrand to be um, on this journey with you since the very conception of the idea. I think you guys were shared a beer wrote some stuff down on a cocktail napkin. Um, and then in, you invited us to be part of this journey, right. You know, at the early part of the onset and it's been, um, it's, it's been so satisfying to, to watch the process as it, as it evolves and matures, but it's, it was like last June when we were together 
for the uh, for the first awards presentation. It was so much fun, and it it made me so proud of the industry to see the the talent, and the fact that this award program that y'all created, it, it's specifically to recognize the creativity and the and the passion and the talent that's out there. And so, thank you for doing that, and thank you for allowing us to come along for the ride. These aren't tears. I got an eyelash <laughs> caught my eye. <laughs> Seriously, thank you, Barb. I mean, that means the world to us, and it, it is true. That was the whole reason the CBMAs was developed, was to let the other side of the industry get some recognition and be awarded. So thank you for all that support, and thank you for everything today. You guys have definitely crushed it. Woohoo! From that moment to something that is now, like, international and Adding new participants, adding new, adding new segments, it's awesome. And, and you guys do it smiling, which is something that uh, should also not be forgotten because you care. Thank you for that. Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate your time today, and we look forward to seeing you in Denver.